0: May all grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from Christ our Savior, Amen. So, our epistle lesson from uh, Hebrews chapter two that serves as the focus for the sermon this morning. So, so those some of those of you who know me probably know that you, you know about me that I really like history. I was a history minor in college, and I try try to uh, study as much as I can. Well, not that long ago, I've, I've got a, a counterpart at work who really likes history and. During our lunchtime, sometimes we'll talk about uh, different eras in history. And so we were having this conversation, we were talking about historical ages and you know, like the Ice Age and the Bronze Age and the Iron Age and the Industrial Age and the Age of Enlightenment and so forth. And, and I got to thinking, I wonder what history will say about the period we live in now. I wonder how we'll be known. Maybe we'll be known as the age of technology. I don't know. But then I came across an article by Stephen B. Roberts. Uh, it was an article that he had posted in the U.S. News and World Report. And it was an article called, Leading the Faithful in an Age of Dissent. And the whole theme of the article was the age of self. Here's what the article has to say. In the age of self, the language is filled with phrases that glorify personal choice over all other values. Phrases like self determination, self esteem, self knowledge, self help, even do it yourself. In this age of self, there is no doctrine that is safe. There is no mandate or dictate that comes from any authoritative manner that goes or is left unscrutinized. the idea of belief now lies with the individual rather than an institution. Does any of this sound familiar? This whole idea, this whole message of do it yourself, work hard, give it a little bit of elbow grease and good things will happen? You know, this particular article was written way back in August of 1993. That was 25 years ago. As far as I can tell, much has changed over the years. Seems to be the same message. This whole overarching theme in society still seems to be aimed at individualism. We get bombarded with it in the media. You can thank Freud's uh, nephew, by the way. His nephew back in the day took Freud's uh, doings and turned it into public relations. So this is why we get bombarded with what we hear nowadays. The whole subject in our lives is us. And perhaps this is why we have such a hard time hanging on to God's message of salvation. You know, as Christians, we know that the subject of our lives should be God and His message. So, we really need to pay attention this morning to what the author of Hebrews has to say to us. The author of Hebrews admonishes in chapter 2 that we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. Now, there are some people in this world, some people in society who are what I call a la carte Christians. Right? They open up the Bible and they start picking out things that they want that apply to Him without looking at it in the greater context of the overarching narrative of God. And so some people will look at that verse and go, oh, I am paying attention to the message. But what message are they paying attention to? Is it God's message or the message of society? It's really interesting uh, how people treat God's message and God's Word and the neglect that we show to it. However, the subject of what the author of Hebrews is telling us that we have heard is definitely different than the subject that we have heard and continue to hear that's presented to us by society. The subject at hand today is salvation. It's a message given to us in and through God's Word, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 2, 2-4 to says, For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witnesses by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. First off, Why is it that when we're presented with truth and facts and with reliable information, we turn a blind eye to it sometimes? Why is it that we neglect it, throw it off, like we don't want to be presented with it, or we're afraid of it? You ever done that? Neglected the fact, the truth? Reminds me of another story that I read a while back in uh, U.S. News and World Report. It was about Chicago, of all places. Chicagoans for, I'm not sure what you call people from Chicago, but I'm going to call them Chicagoans. Back in the 1980s, it was easy for them to ignore the the city's budget crisis because down in the downtown business district district known as the Loop, they were booming. Business was good. Life was good. Now something else that happened in the 80s was the politicians in Washington, D.C. decided not to uh, give any more aid to the cities throughout the nation. That didn't seem to deter the Chicagoans. Business was booming. Until one day late in April of 1992, when the Chicago River decided to dump a quarter of a billion gallons of its river water into the turn of the 20th century freight tunnels that go underneath the city down there and brought almost all the businesses to a soggy halt. it turns out that there was a city official who knew about that leak. But rather than spending the $50,000 that they needed to spend to make their fix, they decided to act on behalf of a cash-strapped government and ignore the problem. The damage would reach close to a billion dollars. Neglect, my friends, can be that disastrous. Secondly, how many times does something have to be shown to us before we get it through our thick heads that we need to pay attention to it? Look at, this, look at these verses again, 2-4. The message was declared by the angels and proven reliable. God's message. It was declared first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard. And God Himself bore witness to it. Showing through the signs and the wonders and the various miracles and the gifts that by the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Multiple ways, multiple opportunities, the same message, and yet God's message is neglected. Just how important is God's message, people? It's important enough that he doesn't, first of all, give up on presenting it. It's important enough, we're important enough to him that he won't let it go. And consider this if the message was given by the angels to, to the Jews, right? It's given by the angels to Moses, the law, and the, and, and the Pharisees and the leaders and all the people of the Jews were following this, then shouldn't we as Christians be bound to pay attention to God's message as well? The message given to us by Jesus? I'm just saying. It's the fervor for that message that I think that sometimes we lack. And since we're on the subject of salvation, who exactly is subjected to salvation? Not the angels, but as human beings. We are the subject of God's love and affection and desire to be reconciled with Him. To have His eternal life with Him. I love the way that the author of Hebrews says almost absentmindedly. It's been testified somewhere. And then he spouts off word for word Psalm 8. What is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a while lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. It's this part of Psalm 8 highlighted right here in Hebrews 2 that shows a contrast between the insignificance of man and just how significant man is to God. Think about that for a moment just how insignificant man is and just how significant man is to God. That might seem contradictory, but there's a lot there. All right? Think of it this way. If man starts getting inflated egos and starts thinking that that all the gifts that, that we have are ours alone and we start playing God ourselves or thinking we don't need God in our lives and we're nothing more than a tiny little speck of nothing in the grand scheme of things. You know, Ann Landers. You all know who Ann Landers is, right? She had a great quote one time. She said, you know, at the age of 20, we worry about what other people think about us. By the age of 40, we don't really care what anybody thinks about us. But by the time we're 60, we find out that nobody's been thinking about us all along. Here it is, folks. In the grand scheme of things, we're really not as important as we think we are, at least when it comes to self-greatness. But, but, when we pay attention to God's message, we recognize not only how small we are compared to God, but we also discover the depth of His love and begin to realize just how significant we are to Him. David knew this as he attested in Psalm 8. King David speaks about how God gave man dominion over the earth and all the creatures. God thinks highly enough of His people that He gives us dominion over things. And then David speaks about how man, as a man, Jesus was given dominion over creation and how Jesus as God still has greater dominion. God thinks so highly of His people that He sends Jesus to reconcile us with Him. That's how significant we are to God. And everything in subjection to Jesus is under His control. And that includes you and I. And yet, as the author of Hebrews points out, we haven't seen everything in subjection to Jesus yet. And Perhaps that's because God's message hasn't reached everybody. God knows we certainly don't always subject ourselves to Him, to His message, right? I mean, life gets in the way, doesn't it? The world gets in the way. The world's message would have us believe that it's okay to neglect God's message at times. Right? We would rather find something else to do. Go to Bob Evans after church on Sunday or, or skip out on Bible class or watch TV rather than spend time on God's Word, digging into our relationship with Him than to, to actually do those things. and You know, when we don't engage in God's Word, we neglect His message. And when we neglect His message, it's not just detrimental to ourselves, it's detrimental to other people. Because what's our Christian calling? To take God's message out into the world. To share it with others. To share the depth of His love with other people. And if we're neglecting God's message, we probably aren't apt to share it with anybody else, are we? So I'm going to ask you this morning, what message are you subjecting yourself to today? The world's message or God's message? I pray. I pray that we all are subjecting ourselves to God's message. Subjecting ourselves to Him takes faith. And faith is built upon our relationship with Him. And our relationship with Him is built upon His Word and studying His Word and letting His Word speak to us and change us. That's the only way that we get through life. Hanging on to His message of hope. And you know, God still persists today making His message available to us in His Word and in His sacraments. A message of hope and love, of grace and of mercy. The message of salvation brought to us when Jesus gave up His divine powers and subjected Himself to God's will. Tasting death for all creation, overcoming Satan, and rising again in all of His glory. You see, my friends, the cost of neglecting God's message is damaging. But the cost of neglecting the world's message and paying attention to God's message is liberating. Because, you know what? We are the subject of God's message. And to God be all the glory. Amen.